Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Astros Baseball is brought to you by Ram Shirts. Ram Shirts offers custom printed and embroidered apparel. They offer direct-to-garment printing for small runs and screen printing for larger runs. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Ram Shirts. Go to RamShirts.com for all your custom apparel needs. Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan for the fans of the Houston Astros. Here's your host, Rob Fontenot. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. Joining me today from Sports Talk 790, he's also the host of Locked On SEC, Mr. Chris Gordy. This is your second time here. I appreciate you coming back. Yeah, man, good to be back. And, and of course, uh, I love uh, talking all things football. My buddy Andy Kalu on In the Trenches on 790. So it's you know, I, I do the Sunday pre and post game shows for Astros on 790. So it's always good to get away and, and just go full baseball because every time I'm around ND, it's, it's a lot of Texans and draft talk, which is big lately. But man, I, you know, I, if I could just dive off and just go talk Stros for five hours, I will. Yeah. So it's nice to see that, you know, when you're saying, well, I have to do the post game. And I figured that was good. You do the post game, you jump on here, you're all fired up and ready to go. So let's talk about this Seattle series. But the first thing I wanted to say is this. Like, we started out 4-1. and one. Everybody's feeling good. And then now we're 5-4. and four. I don't know if – I'm not panicking because it's, you know, it's, it's a road series. And my thought was, okay, let's say – and Dusty Baker touched on it right now on the Zoom. You know, he said, what if we had a, you know, a 66% win percentage – at home, then we go on the road and go 50. You're, you're, you'll take that, right? But it, we went on the road first. So hopefully they can turn around at home. But they started out 4-1. and one. Now they're 5-4. and four. So it kind of looks bad, you know, to start out so good. But if you break it down by series, it's 3-1, to 2-2, two two, and 1-2. to two. And that doesn't 
That doesn't sound so bad. So let's start with Friday. Odorizzi, four and a third innings, eight hits, four runs. I actually thought he gave up more runs than that, you know, before getting the stats. But second start for Odorizzi. Thoughts on Odorizzi? Uh, I'm not as down on him as a lot of other people are. Um, I thought, you know, I thought he battled in that one. I mean, his first outing, he he battled. He gives up a run early and then kind of stays in there. And the problem is, I don't know what standard people want to hold uh, Jake Odorizzi to. My expectations are this, is that he's a part of your rotation. He, you know, however you want to number him. Is he number three? Is he number four? Is he number five? He's So he's on the back end of your rotation. And he's a guy that can you give me four to five pretty solid, uh, you know, innings. If if he can go out there every time and give you, five, let's say, five innings, and I'm holding him to that because he's still – a lot of these guys are still working up their, uh, you know, their pitch counts and all that. But, like, if Odorizzi on average can give me five innings of two to three run ball, I'll take that because it leaves you in a spot where you're, you have a chance to win. I feel like Astros fans became so accustomed to the Zach Grankies, the Garrett Coles, the Justin Verlanders in recent years – that like the expectation is no, this guy should go seven to eight and give up one run and put us in a spot to win. It's like that's not reality. That's not where the rest of baseball lives. Like, especially when you're talking about a guy on the back end of your rotation. So I say all that to say Odorizzi was fine. I mean, he gives you four and a third, he gives up the four earned runs. It's not great. But look, if the Astros put up five runs and you're winning five to four, we feel very differently about it, right? Like we go, ah, eh, Rizzi won great, but hey, we're winning the game. It's exacerbated when you can't score any runs and you score one run and you're losing four to one. Then I look on social media and all I see is everybody, oh, Odorizzi sucks and he's terrible. It's like, well, yeah, he wasn't great, but the offense sucks too. Like nobody's getting any runs. So, um, yeah, I'm. That's my expectations for him. I don't know what you what you have, but like. I'm fine with him. He is what he is. I know he's a guy who was an all-star a couple years ago, and that's the guy they were hoping to get. It doesn't seem like he's that guy anymore, but he's an innings eater. You can't, you, you're going to need him unless he just goes out and craps the bed a couple of times and they just say, look, we're better moving on from him. But like, I think he can be a key piece of this guy, of, of this, of this rotation. Everybody forgets. Keep in mind the 2017 World Series run. The bullpen, or, or rather the rotation, was struggling at one point during the, in the middle of the season, like the summer months, and there were injuries. Mike Fires ate up a lot of innings for that team. He was by no means the MVP, and I know he's known as the rat and the snitch and all that since then. But, like, Odorizzi can be that. He can be the guy who just eats up a bunch of innings for you in the summer months and kind of, you know, if if Luis Garcia needs to skip a, spar, a start or whatever, like, you're going to need Jake Odorizzi. So, again, I, I get fans' exasperation with him, but I would just say maybe you're holding him to a different standard than you should be. Yeah, my expect expectations for him this year was mostly just built on hope, giving him the, you know, the, the positive energy that he was going to come out and be that all-star again. But if you look at the rotation, I mean, he's – I would put him at five if you want to give him a number. Yeah. and if that guy can go out and give you a chance, like you said, he gave up four runs. If the offense can score, but they didn't, they got demolished 11 to one. And I don't know. I mean, they just didn't have a chance. Like you said, you got, you got to score runs. He's not going to go out there like our next day 
we'll talk about Justin Verlander. We went four to zero. Verlander eight innings, three hits, no runs. This this is what Astro fans are accustomed to. This is what you just said when we had J. I mean uh, JV Garrett Cole, Charlie Morton. We you know we had even Wade Miley back. You know when he was yep. there before he you know shit the bed or whatever you want to call it. So uh, yeah, what about Justin Verlander? Man, he looked really good. It it is nothing short of incredible what he has been able to do and what he looks like. I mean, it, it's it's unfathomable unfathomable that he is. He looks like he did, didn't miss two years of baseball. Like you know the the fact that uh, the man had Tommy John surgery. He's thirty nine. Like we didn't know what he was going to look like coming back. And granted, the season still has to play out, and there may be a stretch where he misses time because his body's overexerted or whatever, but. If you heard him talk after the the game on Saturday night, like he said, I came back with these like the expectation that I was going to be what I am. Like I didn't come back thinking, uh, you know, let's give it a shot, let's see. Like, and, and he busted his ass for for all the crap he got about, you know, not being around the team in 2021. I mean, a lot of there was a lot of criticism about that. He's posted pictures where he's out in California working out, or he's in Florida working out, and. People are like, well, he can't just, co-. you know, we had people on the postgame show. He can't just come sit in the dugout for a game. He can't just be around the team. No, he's working. And from people we talked to, like Ben Verlander, his brother, also testified to that. Like, the guy is actually busting his ass and working, like, every day, training hour after hour after hour to get his arm ready, to get his body back in playing shape. And I said this a few weeks ago, and I, and I stand by this comment. There are a few people in this world that that bust their ass to, to get you know because they expect perfection from themselves I put Justin Verlander in the category of Tiger Woods Tom Brady like guys who are up there in age that are not going to let science stop them from doing what they want to do like father time says Tom Brady shouldn't be still playing at a high level father time says Tiger Woods has no business making the cut at the Masters two weeks ago Father Time says Justin Verlander is not going to come go back to Cy Young form after having Tommy John surgery, 38, 39 years old. So it, it, it's a testament to those guys. Obviously, they make a ton of money. They have all the resources in the world, and they pay training staffs uh, out of this world to help them. But Justin really did bust his ass to get himself back to where he is. And so, man, it was it was phenomenal to see. I mean, I did not think we would see this, you know, in his second start this year. Because think about the first start. He was good, but like, you know, he was struggling a little bit. In that fifth inning, he unloaded. He gave it everything he could to get five innings. In this one, man, he was cruising. Like, the Mariners weren't even putting up competitive at-bats with him. You know, one guy had two hits, another guy had one. Everyone else in the lineup was over against Verlander. And, it was again, I, I just – I don't know what else to say. And then the eight strikeouts, like the fact we're literally talking about something somebody hasn't done since Greg Maddox in 1997, like – that's unbelievable when you're talking about uh, what he was able to do on Saturday. And here's hoping he keeps this up. And, man, if he if he is this Justin Verlander the rest of the, this year, this Astros pitching staff is going to be just fine. Yeah, he looked amazing. So we go to today's game. We lost 7-2. to two. Urquidy lasted four innings. He gave up six runs. But they had a, uh, a five-run fourth inning, and a lot of stuff happened there. But we did get a two-run homer by Brantley, and I think wasn't that the only two hits of the game? 
Yeah, well, the Astros didn't have a hit going into the sixth. I mean, they were getting base runners every inning because uh, this guy, Matt Brash, who is you know, one of their big prospects that they brought up and making just his second career start, he was putting guys on. I mean, he had six walks in this game, and then it felt like like clockwork. An Astros batter get, works a walk, the next guy grounds into a double play. I mean, they they helped bail him out all throughout this game. But yeah, sixth inning, Altuve gets a base hit, and then Brantley gets the home run, and finally... You know, they're, they're not getting no hit, but um, yeah, t- it, today was just an exacerbation of what we've seen from this offense. And and I just want to break it down for you like this, because it is frustrating that this offense has, has not, you know, has struggled this year. I think we all got super excited. Game two, game two of the season out in Anaheim, the Astros put up that 13 spot and we're, you know, this was the day after you win the Framber game three to one. And then the bats unload on, on that Friday, and you're going, wow, 13 runs. This is the best lineup in baseball. Like, they're going to score a ton of runs. Take that game out of the equation. The other eight games the Astros have played so far this year, they're averaging two runs a game. Two runs a game for this offense with Altuve, Altuve and Yuli and Bregman and, you know, all these big pieces. And – it, it really is frustrating. And again, maybe part of it is you played nine games on the road. I, I look at it like this, Rob, like you could, you, we could be glass, glass half full, glass half empty. If you want to be an angry Astros fan and bitch and moan and complain that we are not hitting, we can't score runs, you know, Seattle just beat us two out of three. They're, they're in the driver's seat now in the ALS. Like we're going to lose the division of them. Okay. That's fine. You can also look in and say, the Astros haven't played a game at Minute Maid Park yet. They went five and four in a nine-game road trip to start the season. That's pretty good. I w- if you told me that two weeks ago and said, hey, the Astros are going to go five and four in their nine-game road trip to start the year, I'd say I'd take that. So, yeah. again, it's, it's all perspective. It's how you look at it. But at the end of the day, I think the pitching overwhelmingly has been good. Uh, you, you mentioned Urquidy struggling on Sunday this is really like the first bad outing from an Astros pitcher and, and again think what you want about Odorizzi's outing the other night but like I thought it was fine like it was still a winnable game if the offense shows up today you give up six runs in the four or five runs in the fourth you're down six nothing the offense isn't coming back from that like you're done so um it's encouraging to say like that was like the first really bad outing from an Astros pitcher and you're over a week into the season so that's encouraging but man the offense has got to wake it up Dusty was also saying after the game that this is what I believe that they just went from spring training to the road, right? They've like, he, that's what he said. Spring training never ended. We haven't got to go home yet. And these guys are tired. They're ready to go home. Even the, the broadcast team, they're ready to go home. They just, everybody's tired. We got uh who do we have? LA, the angels. Again, we go back on Monday, but we talked about the offense Friday, one for four with the runners in scoring position. Saturday, one for eight. So at, at least they got guys in uh, scoring position there. Usually they don't score for Verlander, so I'm pretty surprised to score a forward run. Right. And then 0 for four today. So they're not, I mean, the two losses, they had four runners in scoring position, a total of one for eight, and they left 19 runners on base or 17 runners on base total, which isn't a lot. And you compare today for Seattle, they were four for nine with yeah. runners in scoring position. So they, they get them in scoring position. They're driving them in. The Astros aren't. And you touched on it earlier. Four grounded into double plays just today only. That's not good. 
So what is your uh, – we already talked about the starting pitching. It's, pre- it's pretty good. In my opinion, it's yeah. pretty good. The offense, not very good except for that one game, 13 of 31 runs in one game. But what about Jeremy Pena? Is is he surprising you? I mean, he's he's exceeding my expectations. I kind of expected him to struggle. Yeah, he absolutely has. And I said that a few weeks ago. I said, you know, it's going to be one of those things where if he comes out of the gates and he's struggling, a lot of people are going to be wanting to pull up Carlos Correa's stats in Minnesota and start putting them side by side and go, oh, look at what Carlos is doing. We let this guy walk. I said on the flip or on the flip side, Jerry Pena is going to come out. He's going to crush it. And everybody's going to be like, wait, Carlos who? Yep. Forgot about that guy. Uh, defensively, Pena has basically been Carlos. I mean, you know, not as obviously. Look, our Carlos is elite of elite, but like outside of one play, I think in the Anaheim series, like I'm trying to remember if there was another moment where he's had a play where you know didn't didn't get an out or whatever. Like the guy has been money defensively, and then offensively, the fact we're only a, over a week into the season, he's already already got three three hit games, like. That's absurd. So, no, he looks completely comfortable. And I had somebody ask me earlier today, they said, is this because, you know, maybe the book's not out on him? He's a rookie and, you know, as pitchers start to get more film on him, they'll figure him out. Sure. I mean, maybe that's part of it. And he's going to have, don't get me wrong, it's a 162-game season. He's going to have a a week where, you know, he's one for 21 or whatever. Like, that's going to happen. But, man, he sure does look confident and just comfortable up at the big league level. It looks like he he's was ready to go for this. And it makes James Click and company look smart with all the people who are like, how are you going to let Correa walk? You know, what's the plan? I mean, they had all the numbers and, and you know, the resolve to look at Jeremy Pena and said, yeah, it's probably not the end of the world if we have to start him and enroll with him as our starting everyday shortstop. And so it's been a lot of fun to watch. And, man, I, I like the kid a lot. I mean, he looks the part. I asked Brian McTaggart from MLB.com a few weeks ago. I said, you know, if I was a guy who owned one Astros jersey and it was a Korea jersey, if I went out and bought a Jeremy Pena jersey, is that a good investment? He said, absolutely. He said he thinks that's, you know, if you if you go buy a Pena jersey, this isn't a guy who's going to be middle of the season, sent back down to the minors and all that. He's here to stay, and I think he's going to be a really good player for this team for years to come. Even if Jeremy Pena can't produce the same numbers offensively and the you know the defense isn't exactly what Correa puts out there even though like you said he's been really really good so far you got to compare this to the production versus how much he costs he's right, 750,000 exactly. if they if the <laughs> if the Rays started this season and you're looking at you know 750,000 versus you know 34 million or 30 31 million or whatever he makes so I mean, overall, for production, for money value, it's so far, it's a way better value. Yeah, and that's why it's not always apples to oranges. When when people want to compare players in baseball, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you want to write the check for that guy and, and, and you know, have to take on all the future uh, cap space and, and salary cap space that, that it's going to take to have that guy on the roster. So, yeah, look, right, wrong, or indifferent, the rest of this year and moving forward, people are always going to, they're going to compare the numbers and go, oh, Carlos Craig just hit two home runs yesterday and Jeremy Payne just struck out. That's going to happen. Fans are going to do it. But at least, at least like for the most part so far, and again, maybe it's because Payne has been good, is that we haven't heard much of that. I haven't seen a whole lot of that on social media. And frankly, Carlos isn't exactly cr- killing it out of the gates either for Minnesota. So 
Um, but it, it will come up, and especially, God forbid, if the Astros find themselves in one of those uh, you know, wild card games at the end of the year and it's twins versus Astros. God, I, I just like could because then, you know, then it does come into the factor of postseason experience. And that was the one thing that you loved with Carlos was man, the, that kid that guy thrived in the postseason. And then, you know, on the flip side, this will be Jeremy Pena's first taste of the postseason. What will he do? Will the moment be too big like it was for Jordan Alvarez as a rookie? I don't know. We'll see. But um, yeah, at least for the most part, it's been comforting that we're not doing a side-by-side every night. What did Pena do? What did Correa do? Yeah. If you if you take a look at the offense, too, Dusty's been resting everybody, giving people days off. We've had Yuli Gurriel out for maternity um, leave. And uh, is it paternity? It's paternity leave. Right. Had his he's third a dad. son. He did not have the baby. He's, he's not the mother of his babies. <laughs> and then Jordan's been sick. So they pointed this out also on the broadcast that Opening day is the only day that they've had their full, if you want to call it the A team, the starting, you know, the starting nine, because somebody's been out the entire time. I don't, I don't know why people freak out over this. And I see it, you know, before every game on social media, when the lineups come out, but like, this is something AJ Hinch did. He constantly gave guys days off. Um, Maybe they do it a little bit more so now. People point the finger at Dusty. Dusty does make some of those decisions. Some of those decisions come from the the analytics crew, you know, the training staff. They come down and say, "Hey, Sunday's an off day for Altuve," and they, and they go and it's it's just it's not even a question. It's just yeah or, or whatever, you know. Pena's off Sunday. Okay, yeah. It's 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 so weird. If fans are like, "Wait, what's wrong with Pena?" and all this, it's like guys, they literally played two weeks of spring training games, like. I have no problem resting guys. Just like, I mean, I was in the minority of, you know, Clayton Kershaw's throwing a perfect game. Take him out. Yes, Clayton Kershaw in October means way more to us than Clayton Kershaw in a regular season game in week one of the, in April. So that's just where I am with it. I've just, we've seen, and if you're an Astros fan, like you've got to think of it this way. Look at Alex Bregman in the postseason last year. The dude was not right. Like, wouldn't you rather have guys rested and ready to go and at a hundred percent come playoff time? So I'll never question them giving guys days off. And you almost wish you could just do it on one day, you know, pick one every Sunday. We're just going to give half the lineup the day <laughs> off. We're going to start Nico Goodrum and Aledmus Diaz. And we're going to roll from that. I would almost rather that. Cause then it's just one day that affects you. But, uh, yeah. you know, outside of that, no, it's they're They're going to c- consistently do this. You're going to see it all season long. And all season long, when the Astros tweet out their their lineup, just go click on it on Twitter, and I guarantee the first comment will be, why is Altuve out? What's wrong with <laughs> Bregman? It's like, guys, if you can't figure this out by now, I can't help you. There was a story that I read on uh, Twitter by Barry Bloom, and it was about how the the managers have lost control of their lineup and that the lineups are pretty much made in a meeting. He's in the meeting, but he's not the one making the lineup. They're telling him, okay, this guy does good against this dude. Here's your lineup today, and this is what we want to do. So somebody, like you just said, they're complaining about Dusty Baker online, and so I commented, Dusty Baker doesn't even make the he doesn't even make the lineup. You know, he has the input, but he doesn't even make it, and this guy just thought he was so right that he thought I was so wrong, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, uh, you know, but 
it was interesting. So I had that guy on on the podcast to kind of talk about that. And it was pretty interesting. I didn't even know. I thought, you know, the the manager sat in his office and wrote the lineup out and posted it. I didn't really know that they didn't have full control over it. Well, and it's not, you know, it's not like headbutting. It's it's everybody's on the same page. Like, you know, AJ Hinch embraced the analytics. The analytics guys were part of his meetings. And I think when Dusty was brought into this situation, I think he, you know, Dusty's a little old school thinking that way, but I think he even had an open mind knowing this is what's best for the team. And this is what's best for a team that's in the playoffs, going on deep playoff runs every year. We got to be safe. You know, years ago, I think back to the NBA, when LeBron, LeBron James is making deep playoff runs every year, they had to find rest nights for him throughout the regular season because, look, we can't overexert you. We need you healthy for the playoff run. And that's what this Astros team has done just about every year since 2017 is deep playoff runs, and you need those guys to be healthy. And so, yeah, Dusty is a little bit old school and, you know, um, his way of thinking, but I also think he's on board with the analytics people knowing what's best for uh, these guys and their health. All right, the Astros are finally at home on Monday. And if you live in the Houston area and you're planning on going to the games, it's some pretty sweet giveaways. I don't have them. It's just memory, but I believe it's a Alvarez ALCS, you know, the little pendant trophy bobblehead. And then the next two days, it's a Alvarez AL championship ring. And it's a, then it's an Altuve championship ring. So three really nice giveaways. And also someone told me yesterday that Tuesday is city connect Jersey night. You have thoughts on those bad boys? Yeah, the I see uh, you have the hat behind you. I think that's going to be yeah, I think that's going to be Wednesday actually because I think it's the twentieth. Um, City Connect night. That's the first time they'll wear the the City Connect jerseys. And then I was told they'll wear them a handful of times this year. And then I even asked somebody in the know, you know, is this just like a one time thing? They said the contract with Nike is for the next three years. So they're going to wear these exact jerseys at times for the next three years. Like the Red Sox just wore theirs the other day. Um, I think it was yesterday or today. And it's like the yellow and the blue. That that It wasn't as big of a deal now because they debuted them and it's part of their contract. They'll have to wear them a certain amount of times each of the next couple of seasons. So, yeah, if you're one of those fans who goes went out and bought the jersey, which I did, I was a little sticker shock at 175 bucks a pop when I was – getting rung up i was like wow that's a little bit more than i thought it'd be but okay let's do it i'm gonna wear the crap out of this jersey but uh yeah it um you know at least you'll be able to wear them for for the next couple years but no i mean like all the stuff that's going on even just opening day so with sports talk 790 we actually have we're working with lucky's pub which used to be down the street by the uh, soccer stadium that's no more that during COVID they went out of business but Lucky's Pub is actually doing a pop-up tailgate. They've rented that entire parking lot where Home Plate Bar and Grill used to be and the bus. They're taking that over, and they're going to have a huge thing going on. I think it starts at 11 a.m. Monday morning, and they're going to do it for this entire homestand. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they're going to have DJs. They're going to have food trucks. They're going to have bars. They're going to have all this stuff. It's just going to be a big open-air tailgate area that fans can go hang out. And then they've got like an MVP area that you could pay for like a wristband and get 
cleaner bathrooms and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but it's a really cool thing because, and I think, you know, from what I heard behind the scenes is they approached Jim Crane about it. And Jim Crane's like, look, we've bought that lot. Our plan is to in the future build a whole strip of, you know, bars and shops and all that kind of stuff. Like he, his plan is kind of to buy up everything around the ballpark and have like a ballpark village or something like that. But it's going to take time. So I think he looks at it where Lucky's Pub comes in and goes, hey, we want to do this. He's like, oh, yeah, why would we not do that? Like, otherwise, it would just be parking, you know. So let's make it a big fan experience for fans. So you got that. And then you got the Astros Street Fest, which starts at 4 o'clock on Saturday. Now, you have to – or on Monday. You have to have a ticket to the game to get into that. But, of course, that's live music, food trucks, balloons, face painting, all that. So if you're bringing a kid to the game, you definitely want to go over to the Street Fest and take part in all that going on. So – Man, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a whole – I keep telling people you're crazy if you're working Monday because you need to be out there outside Minute Maid Park all day long getting ready for this game. Yeah. The uh, home openers sort of have a uh, World Series vibe to them as far as all that uh, stuff going on outside of the stadium. So after the first three series, the nine-game road trip, the Astros find themselves in second place – Behind the Angels, who they beat three games to one. Angels are six and four. Astros five and four. Oakland and Seattle five and five. I I expected Oakland to be at the bottom after they traded their whole lineup, but they seem to know how to win with people that aren't stars. And then Texas goes out and spends all that money, (laughs) and and they're two and seven. So let's look at the uh, series we're talking about. Angels coming on Monday. We got Luis Garcia. This is his second start, right? He's uh, He didn't give up any runs in his first start. Right. He's going to take on Lorenzen, who has a 1.50 ERA. And then Framer Valdez on Tuesday, his ERA is 0.93, so he's also pitching very well. And then Odorizzi gets the Wednesday game. He has a 6.48 ERA. And I knew he was going against Otani on Wednesday, so I didn't. I, I thought, oh, no. That's not going to be good. Otani's worse. 7.56 ERA. He's 0-2. So maybe this will be a good matchup. Yeah, all the stink that's made about Otani is really about the hitter. He's he's an okay pitcher. He's fine. But it's more the spectacle of, oh, my God, he does both. But I think as a hitter, you know, he's, he's the pop in the bat, the home runs, that's what you're paying for. I mean, him on the cover of MLB The Show um, is him the hitter. It's not Shohei Otani the pitcher. It's kind of funny because I play fantasy baseball, and you you have to pick him up twice. If you want him as the hitter, you can have him as the hitter. And we were doing the draft, fantasy draft. Shohei Otani the hitter was a you know like first-round pick on the board. Shohei Otani the pitcher was like, yeah, it was down there a little bit. So it's just kind of funny seeing that dynamic. But no, this is absolutely a spot where the Astros need to come home, take two out of three. And we talked about the the slumping bats. Let me just run through it a little bit for you. Jose Altuve, your leadoff man, is batting 156. That He's seeing the most at-bats of anybody on the team. He's got to do better. He's got to figure that thing out. Behind him, Alex Bregman. Man, first weekend, we're all excited. Red hot weekend. Alex Bregman's back, baby. Okay, since then he went over in the Seattle series, and if you combine the last two games in the in the uh, Arizona series, he's Ofer's last fifteen without a hit. He's had a couple walks in there, but Ofer's last fifteen. Kyle Tucker really slow to get going. He's got four hits on the season. He's batting one twenty one. 
And then Yuli Gurriel, who's last year's batting title uh, champ, he had a couple hits on Friday night, but Wednesday went 0 for 4, Saturday went 0 for 4, Sunday went 0 for 4. All those guys, that's your core. Like, I don't care what Jose or, or what Chaz McCormick does. I don't care what Jose Siri does or Ledmus Diaz or Nico Goodrum. Those are the guys that have to hit if the Astros are going to win games. And for me to say all that, all those guys are struggling and you're five and four to start the year, that's pretty good. So yeah. I say all that to say, come back home where you're more comfortable. I want to see Altuve, you know, lead off man. Find a way to work walks. Do whatever you got to do. Just get on base for those guys behind you because you know Michael Brantley is going gonna, is gonna to drive you in. Alex Bregman, again, I think is going to be a little bit more comfortable at home. Yuli Gurriel, too. I just want to see those guys settle down and, and get back to hitting because from, from Yuli to Bregman to Kyle Tucker, those are three huge bats in your lineup that just, again, haven't done much this last week. I agree. All right, Chris, that's all I got for you, buddy. I appreciate you coming on. It's always fun Absolutely. having you on. Yeah, man. Anytime, uh, anytime you want to talk Astros, always ready and down for it. And uh, I'm excited to see what this season brings, man. It's going to be fun. And look, don't be afraid of the Mariners. If they're knocking on the door and they're right there with you most of this season, that makes it fun. It was fun when Oakland was winning some games. You know, it wasn't fun when the Astros had a 20 game, you know, leading the AL West and you're just running away with it. And we're all counting down, looking at our watch going, yeah, when's, when's October start? No, yeah. we want a pennant race throughout the season. It makes it fun. Yeah. Uh, I agree. All right, guys. Appreciate you tuning in. And we'll see you next time on Astros Baseball. Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted when there's a new episode. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Fontenot. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.